0: This is the fourth segment in Michael Ellis' lecture on his system of dog training. If you'd like to watch the other three segments, you can go to our website and go to the streaming video section on the website. Let's talk about the use of compulsion. When I first started doing reward-based training, when I transitioned from a very much an old-school style of compulsion to training to a reward-based system, I met a woman that trained AKC obedience and... uh, her dog looked much better than my dog. I looked at the dog and I said, wow, her dog is really fast and really happy and very correct. Like, and I wanted to know what she did. So I went out and hung out, watched what she did, learned some stuff, started playing around with reward-based training. And like many people, when I first hit that spot, I was like a religious convert. I was like, this is the coolest stuff I've ever seen. You mean you can train a dog without correcting them? I was so excited. I was like, yes, I'm going to train dogs with no compulsion whatsoever. Turns out that you can't really do that. But you can do a lot without compulsion if you're good at reward-based training. So what I found is I had a couple of dogs at the same time, roughly. And I got them up to a certain age, and they would had virtually no corrections. They were almost two years old, both of them, almost two. And they would have really no corrections in their life. Minimal. And I hit a spot in my work where I needed to correct the dogs for certain things. One of the dogs just folded like a house of cards. Like, I had changed the rules on him. He was looked at me like, what have you done to me? Like, this is not in our agreement. like, I work. If I make a mistake, you make me do it again. This correction thing, I don't get it. And he just crumbled, really squashed him, totally undermined his trust in me and everything. The other one wanted to eat me. Like, he came at me with a vengeance. He's like, uh-uh. You don't correct me, this is not in my repertoire. And both of them, the problem was that they hadn't learned, as a part of the system, how to cope with the stress of being corrected, of being made to do something, and how to learn to turn that pressure off. So, I'm very, very methodical about how I teach a dog to access a reward how to shape behavior. And we'll talk about it this weekend, how we lure dogs and move dogs into various positions, and how we show them how to access a reward. We teach them what their reward markers are. We, we spend a significant amount of time on this. I want to be just as thoughtful about how I introduce pressure to my dog. And so we'll talk this weekend about what I call uh, leash pressure work. So there's a place in our, my dog's life where I'm going to teach the dog to turn pressure off, away from all my obedience. It's simply showing the dog that I have a signal, I'm going to put pressure on you, you have to turn that pressure off by complying. And I do it with what I call leash pressure work. We teach the dog to give to the leash, to yield to the leash. So most of our dogs have uh, a classic um, opposition reflex to a leash. There's a reason you see pet dog people with their dogs dragging them down the street. The dog wants to go forward, you pull this way, the harder you pull this way, the harder they want to go that way. You're walking your puppy on a leash, your puppy sits down, the more you try to pull forward to get the puppy to come on, the more they hunker down into their sit. A classic opposition reflex. You pull the leash, the dog pulls against the leash. What we want to do is teach the dog that if you feel leash pressure, you go with it. You move with it. And we teach this separate from all our obedience. So I have a young dog. They hit a certain spot in our training. They're usually, oh, I want to say, five, six months to nine, 10 months old, somewhere in that range. They're, we, The dog and I have a good relationship. We're playing well together. Everything's good uh, in that front. They're usually finished teething. And then I'll take them out, and I'll put them on a training collar, and I'll show them how to move with the leash. I'll just pull the leash in a straight line. The dog puts on the brakes, and I keep the pressure on. The dog freaks out, like pull, and I pull, 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 and finally they go. And as soon as they go with it, I mark that, yes, all the pressure comes off the leash. Good boy, etc. right? So they basically learn after a number of sessions that resisting the leash doesn't work. And this is mildly stressful. This is escape avoidance training. I'm turning pressure on. You turn it off by going with it. But if I do this right in a number of sessions, I get to the point where I can move my dog with two fingers in the leash. I grab the leash, I go this, and the dog moves with the leash. So now I've given myself a tool to subtly manipulate my dog's behavior. So like when we go to teach healing, it's an important part of my healing program, which is to be able to manipulate the dog very, very subtly. He gets Two inches too far in front of me i can use my wrist to make him move backwards right very subtle gradients i can give the dog information with the leash i can move him around the other thing the dog learns is that stress a little stress isn't going to kill him he learns to turn pressure off and it's not the end of the world so later on if in my work as i progress i need to use the leash to correct my dog he knows what it is he knows how to turn it off and he's not stressed by it But when I taught him this, I didn't teach him it, giving him any commands, I didn't teach him it while teaching him any obedience behaviors, so he doesn't associate any of this stress with our obedience work. I get it ironed out somewhere else, I show the dog the skill, and then I bring the tool into my toolbox and incorporate it into my obedience work, okay? So now we've built up a system where the dog understands, yes, good, and no. Basically understands when they're getting a reward. I can tell them exactly when they're right and wrong with verbal markers. I can manipulate their behavior to access something they want, and they know how to turn pressure off, and I have a leash pressure skill that I can use to manipulate them around with. Now these are the tools that I'm primarily going to use to train my dog. A couple of pitfalls that we're going to run across that I should mention right now. You'll see when we start working dogs that what we do a lot of, the same way that I taught the dog leash pressure without any commands, we teach the dogs behaviors before we put the behaviors on cue. So, the first time I go out and teach my dog to sit, I do not say sit. I show my dog how to sit, I take a piece of food, I hold it in front of my dog's face, he follows the food, I lift the food up, his nose goes up, his butt goes down, he sits, I say yes. I reward him. I didn't say sit, I didn't do anything. I simply messed with him until I got him to sit. And I repeat this over and over again until every time I lift my hand like this, my dog sits. Now, I put that behavior on cue. But not until I'm sure that I can get the dog to do the behavior the way I want. So I taught the behavior. Now we put the behavior on cue. So I say sit, lift my hand. Yes, reward. Sit, lift my hand. Yes, reward. Sit, lift my hand. Yes, reward. Sit. Oh, look, the dog sat before I lifted my hand. Yay, right? And we're going to do this with everything. We're going to do it down. We're going to do it stand. We're going to do it come to heel, right? We teach the behavior. Then we put it on verbal cue. And the verbal cue predicts what follows immediately after it. So I put the verbal cue right in front of whatever physical help I need to get the dog to do the behavior. So, now I've touched on this a couple of times already. One was with the reward marker, right? The reward marker needs to be predictive. needs to happen right before the production of the reward. Now I'm talking about putting a verbal cue right in front of physical help. Because this is one of the most important concepts that we have. If you do anything physically and verbally at the same time, The physical will override the verbal and become the signal for the behavior. So if you're there and your dog's in front of you and you're saying, down, 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 you can do that over and over again. Physical, verbal together, physical overrides verbal, becomes the signal for the dog. Now you try to stand up straight like this and you say, down, and don't move, your dog won't lay down. If you drop your head, bang, down your dog goes. So the very first obedience class I took, I was 12 years old, German Shepherd Dog Club, use choke chain, old school Keeler Method class. The instructor told us, basically you teach sit by saying sit and pulling up on the collar and pushing down on the dog's butt at the same time. So we went sit, sit, sit. You can do that a thousand times in a row. On the thousand and first time, if you stand up like this and say sit, your dog won't sit. But if you go, as soon as you turn towards the dog, boom, they sit. Physical, verbal together, physical overrides verbal. So even if I'm doing old school, what old school, if I'm doing escape avoidance training, even if I'm using the leash or correction to get the dog into position, the cue has to happen right before it. It has to be predictive. So I would say, sit, boom, sit, boom, sit, boom, sit. boom; sit. Oh look, he sat before I moved. We got it, right? It has to be predictive. We see these things all the time. I told you before a little bit about the the change of positions exercise. When you leave the dog at a distance and you tell him to sit down and stand. The time I first saw that exercise, I was doing schutzen. And uh, I saw a ring sport guy do the exercise and I thought it was super cool. I'm like, oh, that's really cool. I'm going to teach my dog that. So I went home and taught my dog that over the course of the next couple of months. And he was really good at it. I could leave him way over there. Sit down, stand down, sit down, any order. And I thought, oh, this is awesome. And I had a friend videotape me training one day. And I was going like this. Sit down. Stand with my head, right? Really little movements. I lifted my eyebrows, dropped my head. I like got, ooh, I should stop doing that. Go out the next day, stand up straight, sit, nothing. down, nothing. Stand, nothing. I lift my head like this. He sits, down, stands, right? I didn't have to say a word. He physically, because I was making the gesture at the same time. I was saying something, and it's a huge problem, right? So this is one of the problems that people see all the time. They're pulling their shoulder. They're popping the dog with the leash at the same time they're giving a command. All these things are going to get in your way as you progress, right? So keep this in mind. It's a big part of it. We're going to end this part of the lecture here. Our next newsletters will be a continuation of this lecture from Michael Ellis. If you'd like to watch some of the free streaming videos that I have on my website, you can go to this web address now. I have a number of uh, free streaming training videos, and then a number of product videos also.